recorded in a film vault somewhere in downtown Los Angeles, you are listening to the Film A Week Podcast. Welcome back to the Film Week Podcast. I am your host, Serge Barrett. Oh, and I'm Patrick. Sorry, I was reading something. <laughs> you can cut that dinner. Yeah, I, I, I totally will. And we are continuing our Masters of Cinema Month mm-hmm. with our 100th film, not Terminator 2, which was our 99. It's only taken us 100 films to get to Christopher Nolan. Do the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Hans Zimmer uh, fucking scored that, right? The the in, original one? Yeah, and then yeah. it like and then it blew up and everyone's like <laughs> Every trailer of like 2011. <laughs> <laughs> was it 2011 you did that? I thought it was even Yeah, because it was 2010 when Inception came out. Oh, all so right. 2011 is like <laughs> It was like a good like I feel like 2 years before everyone caught on to that. <laughs> like wait a minute. I'm surprised it wasn't like was it in any like Marvel trailer? Welcome to yeah, Us. I think so. I think some of the like it wasn't the blah, but it was like a it was a similar. I think there was like similar ones. So what came out in 2011? Like what Thor two? Or yeah, something? No, I think Thor one. Thor one. So I could just I could just imagine. Welcome to Asgard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but enough of that <laughs> blomming. Uh, Christopher Nolan, if y'all don't know is very much one hell of a director and everybody pretty much enjoys that he's technically considered one of like the modern how would you would it be he's probably one of the more like more of the modern film auteurs mm-hmm. uh, in recent memory Heck probably yeah. up with up there with like um, with david fincher and uh, tarantino like at least from the 2000s probably david fincher and and nolan stand out probably mm-hmm. Along with Wes Anderson and stuff like that, as the more modern uh, generation of auteurs. Other people, such as Danny Boyle, Paul Thomas Anderson, Denis Villeneuve, Paul Greengrass. A lot of people we've covered on the film, on the yeah. podcast. And as you said, Quentin Tarantino. And he is also um, the director of such films such as Following, Memento, Insomnia, the entire Dark Knight trilogy. <laughs> so, Pat begins Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. Inception, Interstellar, and recently Dunkirk. I haven't seen Dunkirk yet, but I, uh, I heard it's good. Dunkirk is really good. I I heard the second like shit goes down, you're just like stuck. Like yeah. you're just in the moment. Like you're like, oh fuck. I unfortunately fell asleep for like ten minutes in it, and not not in a bad way. It's you're just tired or something. No, it's actually a really funny story. <laughs> I, had, I had I was doing laundry, and I uh, I was washing a blanket, and I had just finished drying it. And I was like, oh, it's a cold day. I'll just, like, chill, watch the movie, and I'll, like, have the blanket. Oh, but it was still warm. It was so warm, and I just, like, passed out, and I wake up and went, oh, no. So I, like, rewound 10 minutes back. I'm like, shit, shit, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to remember. But, yeah, when shit goes down, it goes down. It's really good. And it's, like, it's such a, it's such a, like, the way everything's structured is pretty, pretty fucking remarkable. Is doing three things at the same time. But today we are covering his film, The Prestige. Or as many of us in high school called it, my friends, Wolverine vs. Batman. 
the magic edition. <laughs> the first 20 minutes of me and you were making those jokes. I know. And then we started paying attention. Yeah, and then we're like, oh, this is, this is actually a really good uh, plot here. Yeah, just... wait, hold on. Like, <laughs> wait, there's shit going on. There are three acts to a, to a tree. <laughs> I forget what the other two are called, but the last one is called the Prestige. I'm still that's sorry. right. That's what he's called. I don't know why I made him. Cog- I don't know why I made Wolverine Cogni. Australian accents are hard, all right. Yeah. Am I? <laughs> God blimey, that one is. Put some Vegemite on them claws, you can get through anything. <laughs> that's horrible. <laughs> Gonna go wash some razor blades. What is it? The razor blades? Is it razor blades? Razor blades. Oh yeah, yeah, ra- yeah. Razor blades. You say razor blades, but you yeah, razor blades. 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 So the Prestige is a 2006, as Wikipedia defines it, rich American. <laughs> what is it? No, you fucking sack of shit. Fucking website. Don't use this as sourcing for anything. Please. Especially you college students. Yeah, really don't. Uh, 2006 British American mystery thriller film. Uh, I'm just going to add this part. That focuses on magic. And was adapted from the 1995 novel The Prestige. Ah. Hmm. Written by Christopher Priest. The film, as we mentioned, stars Christian Bale as Alfred Borden. Hugh Jackman as Robert... Robert Angier, uh, Scarlett Johansson as Olivia, Olivia. Rebecca Hall as Sarah Borden, a small, a small role of Piper Parabo, Michael Caine, as you said, as John Cutter, um, Andy Serkis, the first Andy Serkis movie, I believe, and David Bowie. I'm an alligator. This film is, this film came out on October 20th, 2006, and then was released like a month later in fucking the United Kingdom. Because screw them. <laughs> Sometimes they get their movies earlier than ours, I know that. It really mm-hmm. depends on the schedule. Like, I think for Avengers, they got they got that one first. Yeah, I think that's starting to change now. Well, for most... Maybe. I think for the most part, they actually still get it. Well, I think maybe it's switched, because now I think they get it before we do. Yeah. The The... UK gets it before the US does. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Affinity Award is like, except for that. Yeah. This movie, um, as we said, focuses all on the world of illusions. Back in the eight, 1890s. Illusions, Michael. Tricks are something horrors do for money. Hey, come on. I mean, candy. And I think that's, that's pretty much covers it on the intro part. I like, yeah, like, yeah, for that base in- intro, so... Two yeah. dudes dueling, dueling, dueling magic, but not in the Harry Potter sense. More yeah. like in the, uh, uh, do I have an ace up my sleeve? No, it's behind your anus. <laughs> <laughs> it's all arrogance, like motherfucker. This movie was released to positive reviews. As for critics, I don't think your boy, that's not your boy, said anything of note. Better not, motherfucker. Oh, three stars out of, out of four. Uh, describing the revelation at the end, a fundamental flaw and a cheat. However, uh, other than that, though, Richard Roper and A.O. Scott, who were actually who stepped in for his guest spot in the place of Eber for an episode, give two thumbs up. Enough of that. You will listen to the trailer of The Prestige, and we will be back with our review of 
The Prestige. <laughs> Shoot me. Come on. No, I can't. Do it! <laughs> Perform this feat in a manner never before seen by yourselves or any other audience anywhere in the world. The audience loved it. This trick is top notch. You need to celebrate. <laughs> a real magician tries to invent something new. God. <laughs> it's something that other magicians will scratch their heads over. I suppose you have such a trick. Yes, you do. It's the one they're going to remember me for. What happened? It was the greatest magic trick I've ever seen. I need to know how he does it. He has no trick. It's real. Every great magic trick consists of three acts. The first act is called the pledge. The magician shows you something ordinary. But of course, it probably isn't. The second act is called The Turn. He's obsessed with discovering your method. The magician makes this ordinary something do something extraordinary. Huh. Now you're looking for the secret, but you won't find it. That's why there's a third act called The Prestige. This is the part with the twists and turns, where lives hang in the balance. Julie, come on. And you see something shocking you've never seen before. Ah! This was built by a man who can actually do what magicians pretend to do. Real magic. I know what you really are. How does he do it? You want the truth. Nothing is impossible. Abracadabra. No more secrets. Secrets of my life. And we're back. You just finished listening to the trailer of The Prestige. I would say that, that trailer does not properly convey the 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 thriller aspect of the movie, but not it does fit the thriller trailers of the time. Yeah, I'd say yeah. It's like thrilling intrigue. You don't know what you're talking about. Using what is the mystery? Using dialogue for the film to convey and like yeah, misdirect. Like, yeah, and then that, Act one begins with the pledge. <laughs> Too. And they, they would just show like out of context scenes to be like, yeah. I know what you are. <laughs> and then finally, the third act, and then it's like it just some vague scene of like their back doing the bow, the prestige. <laughs> Act description. If you if you see if you hear it, pre- visualize it, and it's probably accurate to what the trailer is. If you see it, I knew the ending of this movie, as I said. I didn't know certain things about the ending, though. Overall, I thought it was pretty good. It's been like five or six years since I've seen this movie, and I was half paying attention the first time, I, well, like that last time I watched it. Mm-hmm. This time, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. So let's get into it. Yes. Um, the the one thing I do like beforehand is um, just this rivalry between the two really works 
mostly due to their performances and their arrogance and their well, like, passion. Oh, yeah, yeah the performance between Bale and, and Jackman works so well because they're not really on stage. They don't really confront each other a lot. It's no. more like what they do and how they react to each other's um, successes. But I mean, the times that they are together, there's like, it's it's quantifiable and it's very solid why they have this antagonistic relationship to each other. And it, it starts off, and then not only do they one-up each other, like, success-wise, also in just like the things they do to each other. Mm-hmm. Whether it's on purpose or not. And it's, it, they both, they're trying to be the best magician and best man, but they both end up being, driving themselves to be the worst person possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, even they said, like, in order to be, like, the best, you have to get your hands dirty every now and then. That was, like, something they, they had talked about earlier, and I think there there's, like, I think some of the tricks that they use, this the, that they do, kind of convey that. In the beginning, it's kind of portrayed that Hugh Jackman is kind of more on the moral high ground for a bit, because his wife dies at, not the, like, as a result of Christian Bale's character. Yeah. And we're like, well, he has a reason to be so antagonistic and so, like, angry about it. We understand... I, I, a lot of times I kind of understand where Hugh Jackman's going about. It's probably like probably that third act where that that shift starts to change. But at the end, you're you're, you're supposed to, like both of these men are still very horrible. Oh yeah, like, they not, are. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's not even both. Let's let's say the three of them. All three. Yes. All three. Well, well, let's not. It'll be hard to kind of explain this, but I guess the main trick that Hugh Jackman wants to outdo is a trick called the Teleportation Man. The Transporting Man. Transporting Man. Which is what Bale's character is doing. Using like a door, a ball. Yeah, like so the ball is the misdirection. The ball is the trick. So he'd like, you know, he's like, oh, audience, look at the ball. He bounces the ball. It bounces across the stage to the other door. No, yeah, the other like cabinet or whatever he goes into. Yeah, because it's two doors. And then he opens it suddenly and grabs the ball as to show that he went from one cabinet to the other and the so i will have to reveal the the thing oh, yeah, that, it's, it's been fucking years, years. Um, <laughs> the trick is that christian bale is playing twins yes uh it's alfred and uh, what's the fallon alfred and fallon yeah um and they're both they're twin brothers they're twin brothers exactly the same but they're so committed to the character of the magician or the professor is who they call it that they even swap each other out in each other's lives and it eventually affects their life in general like their their commitment to to the to the act destroys them but the act is what's kind of giving them life at the same time yeah the same in a similar sense for jackman as well but he has no one to kind of collaborate with in a sense he, he i mean he talks to cutter which is michael kane's character but like michael kane is kind of the sense of one he's like like the whole time he's like he just he just probably has a really good double like extremely good <laughs> yeah he's like he just has a really good double and then jackman's like ah it's impossible like it's too easy for it to because work because the obsession he's more obsessed with Getting the trick, and he doesn't like. I guess he's just trying to. Yeah, like at first, one, it's, it's more about like one upping and mm-hmm. also trying to figure out the secret. But even it's kind of like eventually, a, it just stopped. It just it just stopped. I think it just. I don't even know what it. It, it all comes down to like the simplest answer. Yeah. is probably the right one. He's like, no. And it was but, something he did. It just didn't work out for him because he had a shitty partner. Yeah. The the guy who was his double, which is also played by Hugh Jackman. Also, like, so that at one point, Hugh Jackman does the, he does the same thing that Bale's character does, uh, characters do, but it just doesn't work because the dude he's partnered with, also played by Jackman, is a drunk asshole. Yeah, he is. So, it, and it kind it's of... Just unf- some actor that they found. And also, it's a bit of Jackman's undoing because he tries to send the girl that, who's kind of uh, grown to fall in love with him, to Bale as like a, as like a spy, but she's so hurt that she, that she would just be sent away that she just turns on Jackman. 
and it kind of like there's like a lot of things where they're like uh, it's like it's almost like a ch- it's like a chess game. It is pretty much. They're and like that, and that the assistant Olivia. Yeah, played by Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, yeah, is the she like becomes part of it too, and then like it's like it's really hard to explain the salt. Like to go from the beginning. All right, children, get clip notes out. We're gonna try to do this. So <laughs> it begins with the both of them. Uh, let's call him. What was his name? Borden, which is both the both the Bale brother yeah. character. Alfred. Alfred and Holt and Fallon. Yeah. Let's just call them both as an entity boarding. And then there's uh, Hugh, Jack- Hugh Jackman's character. They work together at first as kind of assistants to a other magician. Who is actually played by an actual magician. Yeah. Ricky J. They work together, but they're, they, they're like, well, we can do better. Let's try to figure out what we can do better. One trick that they do a lot that's kind of famous in when they work with that magician is they tie up Hugh Jackman's wife in the movie, uh, Jessica. Hugh Jackman does the legs, and then Borden does the arms. Now, Hugh Jackman doesn't know that Borden are a set of twins, because each day they switch each other out, or whenever they do a trick, they switch each other out, and one goes live, goes to live the life of the other, basically. Borden goes, well, I think if we do this knot, it would work better, and such and so forth. But, like, the, the main magician, the one that they work for, Ricky Jay, the, the actor, the guy who's playing him. Yeah. Goes like if we do it that way, it could be dangerous, and she doesn't know how to do it. Yeah, she won't be able to get out. This and obviously, Hugh Jackman is like, "Yeah, let's not have my wife do that." And they like Borden wants to do the best show, the best he can. So the the next night, they do the the fucking the tie rope thing. They usually have a timer thing, and then they like you know they do the trick, and it's past the time she's supposed to get out, so she hasn't got out. And you can kind of tell the arm has been tied the way that Borden wanted it to be tied. And she dies as she drowns. She dies because yeah. she couldn't get out of the rope. Which you said could have been solved with modern day CPR. Yeah, she doesn't <laughs> like, it's not like she's like in there for like five, she's in there for like a minute. They break her out. It takes like another minute. And then like, they're like, well, she's dead. I was like, yeah. you know, modern CPR, she could probably <laughs> yeah. When you brought that up, I was like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. But that's the thing that sets off the that that, that That's that. But like, well, the death is like the, the catalyst for it, but the trick, the the thing that starts it is Borden wanting to do, wanting to one up the conventional way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he even says that he wants to make it better. He doesn't want yeah. the same thing over and over again. Yeah, that there can be a better. And way to then do it. I think when they bury Jessica, uh, Hugh Jackman's wife, he's like, "Which one? What? What did you tie her up with?" And, and like Borden, who's probably like, "We don't know which one it is." He's like, uh, "I don't know." he's like, you don't know. And he, like, walks away. And, like, uh, Jackman's character is, like, just, like, distraught that his wife is dead. And this guy just got, like, walked away. Um, I think he, like, Borden's, like, um, you know, he get, he gets his own girlfriend, um, uh, Sarah. They kind of start developing a relationship. He shows her a trick that he wants to do. It's called the, what, the catch a bullet? Bullet catch. Bullet yeah. catch. Which is, like, just tricks that, like, it's a old-timey bullet that you have to kind of, like, put in the bullet. Not, like, load it in. You had to, like put the powder in and all this stuff. And there's a way to trick it where the, the plunger that they use holds the bullet. And, and he the, even like says like... He hey. says he's like, the only thing is if some jackass screws me over, like I'm fucked. Yeah. But I ha- I'll have a plan or I have a plan that, you know, we'll kind of get out of that. But I don't think for the most part anyone's going to do that to me. So we'll be fine. And she goes, okay, whatever, fine. And when... And uh, when he's doing it in a... And when he's actually, like, doing it at, like, a bar or someplace, do it. He's like, can I ask for a volunteer? And, like, I think it's... Who is it? Is it Fallon in the audience? Or is it Alfred in the... Alfred's the... I think it's... I think it's Fallon is the one doing the trick. He's the one who has his life on the line. Alfred is the one... Wait, did I say that? Alfred is the one in the... In the audience. He's supposed to be the plant. He's supposed to be the one, like... Oh, I've... I've, You know, I put the bullet in here. But, like... 
Jackman's character is like, I'll fucking do it. And he's like kind of disheveled. And he's like, oh no, no, he's not disheveled. I thought he was, I thought it, I thought years had passed. I just realized the whole time th- these guys go in disguise to one up each other or like yeah. look at their trick and figure it out. I thought he was disheveled. But <laughs> it, it, it just turns out he put on makeup and stuff yeah. like that. And he goes, you shit. He doesn't say he's like, but he's pretty much like, you shot my wife, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and I think he brings out, does he bring out his own gun? No. What or he, he loads it's he loads very, the gun. It's, it's done very well because as Fallon's explaining the trick, and knowing what you know, in the background, you see him switch the bullet. You put an actual bullet in there. Yeah. And it's while he's explaining how the trick's going to work. Right. And then when he sees him, and if you like caught what happened, you're like, oh, okay. Well, there's a moment, yeah, like, yeah, there's that. And then, like, there's the moment where, like, Al- and it's Fallon. Fallon's the actual, uh, Fallon Borden is the one who's like, oh, shit. And, like, he's like, do you know which one you used on my wife? And he goes, I don't know. Because uh, Fallon wasn't the brother that tied, her, tied Jessica up that day. Yeah. It was, it was Alfred. So fucking Jackman shoots him and, like, loses his three fingers. Fucks him up. Two fingers. Two fingers, right? Who's two fingers? And then the brothers, to even keep the the illusion going, they cut off the remaining, the other brother's two fingers that he lost. Yeah. And then eventually they're like, it's it's. I don't even know if it's a cat and mouse game because the one, it's they're it's, both it's chasing each cat, other. It's less a cat and mouse game and more, as I saw it, like just constantly it's, it's, wanting yeah. up each other. So that's like kind of. I feel like that's the point of no return. Yeah. At that point. Because they're he, basically dueling one another. Yeah. So at that oh, point, yeah. we we figure out. So Fallon is the one that that didn't tie his wife's Hugh Jackman's wife's rope. Alfred's the one who did that. But they're both paying for the mistake of one, and because of their combined like I guess hubris. Like, yeah. And then Jackman is like at first hell bent on like getting revenge, and then eventually it leads to him just trying to one up them in general. I I, I don't want to go through the story, but it's just. It's hard to kind of like talk about these themes and go into the the narrative they go yeah. because it's not it's not linear at no. least not no because it starts with each of them reading each other's diary so it it, it kind of starts off with Hugh Jackman reading um, the Borden diary which is like a just like it needs a cipher and all this stuff and and, then, it, and it leads Hugh Jackman to Colorado and he finds Tesla and it leads to him like finding the cloning machine that's kind of famous in the movie but I like. Probably was it like halfway through his like trip in Colorado, he finds out he's been deceived by Borden. He's like, I like, he's like, he's like, um, he reads it. The uh, Olivia uh, Scarlett Johansson was a plant all along. She's like, I gave him, I gave you the book so you would fuck off to Colorado. Yeah, and like he's reading, he's like, yes, you. He's like, yeah. And then he's like, fuck. He's like, and then I think that kind of leads to that. To this final plan of Angier to kind of like completely ruin uh, Borden, because but he doesn't realize they're twins yet, and eventually he finds the cloning machine, and then the movie starts with the movie starts is it media and res? What's the phrasing? It starts at the end. It starts with that final trick of Angier's, where Hugh Jackman clones himself, falls into the tank, and just just to die. Yeah, that's what threw me off at the beginning. I was like, wait, whoa, we're starting here right now. Is it Alfred, or is it Fallon? I always forget which one is which. For the one in the that's the one that the one that gets caught is the one that was married to Olivia, or the one that was in love with Olivia. Yeah, that's Alfred. Alfred. Okay, so Alfred's the one that gets caught, and then he um there's like an exchange in order to like a, a magician's like greatest treasure isn't their money, it's their tricks, it's yeah. like their actual thing, and some dude is like some dude visits Alfred in jail. He goes, "We'll give you a we'll give you money and set up your kid if you give us all your tricks." He's like, "Well, here's." Uh, no. 
He's like, and this is a diary of Angier, if you want to know why, how he did his tricks. And they're kind of reading each other's thoughts, but like at different points in their life. So uh, Alfred is reading... Alfred's the one figuring out what's happening to Angier. And then he like, the moment he's like reading in the diary when Angier like realizes he's been duped, he's like smiling. And then, and then, but like you keep, he keeps going on the diary. He's like, and then I found, you know, the Tesla machine and all this stuff like that. And then how does he phrase it? He goes, uh, he goes, and this is how the machine works, but I'm not going to tell you, Borden. And he goes, that's right. You, Borden. (laughs) And like, Alfred's like, oh shit. (laughs) And then it's like, um, they're like, Borden, you have a visitor. It's Lord Caldwell who's taking care of your your daughter. Like, uh, And he's like, um, you know, he sees his daughter first. He's like, oh, hello, I love you. And, you know, I'm going to take care of you. Everything's going to be okay. And he gets up to raise, like, meet Lord Caldwell. He's like, yeah. thank you for taking care of my daughter. And, like, right as he's saying that, he looks at it's Hugh Jackman in makeup again. Hello. <laughs> and he, like, he put... <laughs> Hugh Jackman's character is an American, but when he becomes Lord Caldwell, he becomes an English guy. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, hello. <laughs> and he goes, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and then there's, like, this great... Dis- like, so, when we're watching the movie and we find out that... When me and Serge were watching the movie and Angier's reading the diary and he, we, we find out he's been duped, we're like... Holy shit. And then when Borden. when Alfred reads it, we're like, holy <laughs> shit. Like, these guys have gone to levels of fuckery I have not seen before. They are the pettiest motherfuckers ever. They have, like, the great, like, just the most amount of pettiness. Even when they're fucking each other, like, over with the tricks, like, be it, like, Angier's with the bird trick and him coming up and, like, the cage collapsing on the woman's fingers. Yeah. Or, did uh, did Borden fuck up that? Or did it just... I thought it fucked up on its own. Borden's the one that fu- helped fuck it up because he got on stage. Oh, I, I missed that. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, right. he fu- he's like on stage and he just... Goes, and and, and, and the just thing staring is like, like, what? And then all you hear, all you hear is snap and the woman goes, ah! And you see her fucking mangled hands. Yeah. Um, and The thing is when they fuck each other, it's not over remorse or like payback. It's like... Fuck you. And then they just like walk out of each other's life expecting that to be the last thing. Yeah. But they don't kill each other. So they're like, I'm going to come back for you, you motherfucker. <laughs> and sometimes it's even like, what, months, years? Yeah, like the, a lot, like when, when they sent Tangier away, he's gone for like two years, which in like 1800s yeah. is like a fucking millennia. Because <laughs> like anything can happen in two years in the 1800s. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's just that constant like arrogance, constant like, it's need like, of one, it need stops of being about, it stops being about like who's the greatest one and then just who's the worst one yeah and it, it also stops about being like who's like it, yeah who's the best one or yeah. even the greatest entertainer it, like it comes from less of like entertaining audience and more of them just being like no i want that time in the fucking spot the thing is like you want to hate both of them but you both you all three of them but you both feel for all three of them yeah, yeah. but you you all like i watched those like man i would feel sorry for you if half the shit in your life wasn't your own fault yeah like uh because of the Borden act Sarah. Sarah commits suicide. That's Fallon's wife, right? Yeah. Fallon's wife commits suicide because when his brother's around, like, in place of him... He's fucking around with Olivia. But he's also a dick to Sarah. Yeah. Like, a, not like a, oh, I'm not really in the mood. He's just a dick. He's a fucking asshole. And I'm like, well, you should just talk to your brother to not be a, such a fucking twat, you know? Yeah, and I mean, even at the, like, it comes back at the end, like, hey, like, I risked everything to do for me. Like, it cost everything. Like, I lost Sarah, I lost all, like, the people, I fucking lost the trick, and he even's like, what did you lose, like, to Angier's? But Angier's like, I've lost, like, he's, Angier's like, kind of like, I lost a lot myself, yeah. like, you, like, you had a brother and stuff, so, like, I lost, 
I think feel like I feel he just like, lost himself. Yeah, and Jer- I think Jer's like I lost myself to everything here. Because remember, uh, there's that one point where he's having that argument with Olivia when Olivia tricks him with the notebook when she gives it to him. He goes, "Is this about your wife?" And he's like, "It's not about my wife." And he like stops and he's like, he kind of just has that moment where because he, like, he never thought of it till he said it. He's like, like there's like Hugh Jackman has like they they hold on his face for just like a little bit when that emotion, and you're like, you you realize with him that he's like, I don't give a fuck about my wife anymore. Like, and he's like kind of sad about that, but he moves on regardless. Because remember, like they. Jackman and Bale uh, and, and Bale do such a good job. The reason why, like, you feel sympathetic but you understand that, that these characters are fucked is because Bale and, and Jackman do such a good job of portraying these characters um, that you feel like um, Andrew really loves his wife. Yeah. And then you feel like it stops being about his wife at some point, and you feel that when whenever whichever Borden is with their respective loved one, that they actually do love them because I thought. Originally, that uh, Alfred was the the sweet, kind-hearted one, and Fallon was the dick. But Fallon was just—he was always sweet and loving and kind to Sarah and his daughter. He cared about, and her he could, time. and he could give a shit about Olivia because yeah. Olivia was destroying his marriage. And uh, Alfred can give a shit about Sarah because Sarah was in the way of his like him living a life with Olivia. Yeah, and with that, like that. But it, neither of their respective loved ones knew about... Well, they, they thought it was a... They thought it was an affair when it was really just like... It was know, just a trick. And Which like, is almost hey. just as like deceiving and horrible. Yeah. Because it's not like... And not only were like, they deceiving them, they were deceiving... They were kind of ruining their own trick as well. Because it could have fallen apart at any moment. Well, they kind of used the idea of the Chinese uh, magician. Like, he lives... And like he lives the he lives the the trick. Such a wrestling thing, but he lives the gimmick pretty much. Yeah, like he's he's kayfabe all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's just all about keeping in that performance because I think that's a little lot of. Them. I mean, like when uh, the Borden when like it, it's early on in the movie, but when Borden and Angier watch the Chinese guy do the trick, and then they watch him like leave like after the performance and watching him leave. Borden's like, look at him. He's like, the whole time this dude is living it. He's in it. And I, I was watching that going like, I feel like this is a comment more on acting than magician stuff. Like I feel like this is almost as much about acting as a profession than like because uh I think at some point even like Cutter um uh Michael Caine's character goes, they called you a performer not a magician. Yeah. That means you're like, you've gone to the top. Yeah, he even warns about that too. Yeah. Like, you're only, like pretty much saying like, you're only at this level, you shouldn't be here. Right. You shouldn't be more than what you are. Yeah, um, but you're like, you're, you're outreaching your grasp. And then mm-hmm. Tesla kind of warns that he's all like, you're, played play really well by David Bowie in the five minutes he's in this Yeah. Movie. He's in it for five minutes and he's actually really stellar in it. Like, yeah, and like, because he doesn't overact and he doesn't like, he's very so, like solemn. He's very like quiet. He's like, hello, Mr. Angie. I and he's very cordial. He's like, he's welcoming. Yeah. And he almost seems more mystical than all of them, even though he's a scientist. Because mm-hmm. of the technology he's working with. It's like, uh, they all kind of say it. They're like, I think Angier says it at first. He's like, a real wizard. Like, because they go to that light farm. And then later on, when uh, Cutter sees the box, he goes, like, or when he's talking to the judge about the box, he goes, this is real magic. But, like, uh, Tesla would be like, no, it's science. <laughs> yeah. But the like the whole time he's like kind of revered, even though he's the scientist, he's revered as this kind of almost magical being. And that's what makes that character work so well. Yeah, he he is technically just a wizard. Yeah. In, re- in reality, even in our reality, he was he's a marvel that got 
fucking yeah. screwed up. Fuck you, Thomas Edison. Edison. Yeah, fuck Edison. His ghost is like counting money. Fuck you! <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. That's a hundred dollars today. <laughs> I've done it! <laughs> um, but that shot, that like really quick, that shot where the light field. Oh, that was a really great shot. Gorgeous shot. Yeah, there there is that mystic quality there. And as you said, off mic that it's very fantastical. Yeah, like for sure. Like you see like you see the city's lights fade and then this light farm like brighten up and they just pick up a bulb that's not really screwed in. They're like, Where are the wires? It's like there's no wires, there's a generator. Like it's just that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. And it, it, there's kind of a, a weird mirror between Thomas Edison and Tesla in that regard because there's like it's not really hinted at, but it's like if you just know enough about history, it's kind of there. And you're staying at this hotel near Tesla. At one point, Andrew's like, "What's up with those guys in the back?" He's like, "Are they feds?" He goes, "No, it's worse. It's Thomas Edison's guys." <laughs> and like they're after whatever Tesla's doing. And it's like that's kind of what Andrew's doing. He's after what. Borden has supposedly done. Yeah, it, yeah, it's totally a mirror of that because that was kind. Of, that was their case as well. Um, and I also like that. That's like the backdrop, and that actually is a good reference point for like someone in the audience to understand. Yeah, I mean, if they if they know the rivalry between Tesla oh, yeah. and Edison, yeah. Now in the old, now in our modern internet age, a majority of people. That's like a big thing. That people got into. Well, yeah, Tesla was right, and we just he just got screwed over. We'd probably be more more advanced society if it wasn't for Edison. Yeah, the performances are still really solid. Like the reason why everything. Works. I'm gonna be honest. I think this might be my favorite Hugh Jackman performance because. I mean, yeah, like because, well, Logan is still pretty. Really oh good. no! Yeah, that shit's Logan. amazing. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> okay. Like what? Well, like favorite. like his performances as as Wolverine and the other ones are like cool. Like oh yeah, he's Wolverine. Logan is like he just took that he took that to another level. Yeah, kind of like how humanized it. Kind of like how uh, Heath Ledger took the Joker. This com- they took these comic book characters to another level and gave them such a, like depth. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. At least in that regard. But it's in this one. Like yeah, this is. I honestly don't watch a lot of Hugh Jackman movies because the only ones I could think of are Les Mis and uh, Australia. <laughs> and the Greatest Showman. I haven't seen The Greatest Showman, but I know I know his background is probably adequate it's enough. X-Men and musicals. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of... Or dramas. I think, I think Australia is a musical too, right? Or is it a... I don't know, man. <laughs> I didn't bother watching it. It was just like three hours long, I think. <laughs> it was the most Australian movie ever, because it had Nicole Kidman and directed by Boz Lerman. Yeah, that one was long. I don't. I don't think that one did any good. No, it didn't. Uh, but no, like he conveys the like obsession of Angiers. He come. And it's like it's so subtle because it grows. He starts off as kind of a like a charming guy. Yeah, he's very likable at the yeah. beginning, and and a part of me watching, it, I was like, oh, I guess he's the one that we're gonna like follow with. We're gonna really connect with. And then as it progresses, like I don't like this man, and I don't like where he's going, but I'm still kind of compelled to see where the journey is going. I don't. I think. I'm trying to figure out where I was like, this isn't about you. This is about the both of you. And I was like, I'm trying to figure that out. I think probably probably within the Colorado area. <laughs> that, that's kind of where. Yeah, I, I think it was, for me, it was kind of right there too when he started getting more obsessed about like having the machine. And like, no, I want the machine now. You haven't shown me what it's doing. Yeah, you haven't yeah. shown me this. I want it. And you, 
can sense that he just wants to he just be already better. And he yeah. just wants it for his own need. And I think that's around the time it switches and we become a little more sympathetic to Fallon. Because mm-hmm. I think around that time that's when... Not Fallon. Well, yeah, to Fallon, right? Because that's when Sarah commits suicide because she can't handle this, like, literal... Her husband literally changing day to day between loving, uh, caring man to cold, angry did, asshole. Did she... Yeah, no, she didn't even wasn't even aware, as you said. Well, no, she did. She says, "I know what you are." Oh, yes, shit, you're right. Yeah. But like, to what extent is the thing? And also, like, did she under did she truly know who he was and just couldn't live with the fact that her husband was constantly doing this, regardless of how she felt? Yeah, or did she feel like this was something else and then committed suicide? Regardless, she still committed suicide. Yeah. She took her life and like that sacrifice to the commitment. He doesn't even like. That's when. That's not even when he stops. He just keeps going with it because it's like slightly easier for him. Like, not. I don't even want to say it's easier for him because like he still has, cares about. He loved his wife and his child, yeah. but like he just put his own need to do do the show over his his own life, his mm-hmm. own. Uh, he put it on the back burner. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And put something that was that he was passionate about, but started to turn him into the horrible one, like. Not monster, but, like, say, but like he's a dick. He he until, yeah. like, the, the brother's he's not a dick. A yeah. yeah, the brother. Oh yeah, the brother's a complete fucking asshole. Well, but yeah, you, as you said, yeah, you do feel that sympathy. So like when it gets to like near like the end, him trying to figure out like the fucking now when he and Shears has the fucking machine, him trying to ruin that or like figure out how that is to a sense. I don't even think he wants to figure out because. Fallon, he just kind of stuck. Like, his brother knew. His brother knew everything. His brother, like, figured it out, but they hung him. Fallon just followed Cutter to that place and was like, what the fuck? Like, isn't that. That's kind of how it happened, right? Pretty much, yeah. Like, Fallon doesn't know the whole story. He just, like, looked around and he's like, why are there a bunch of dead bodies of the same guy? Like, but yeah, like, it, at the end, like, I don't even know if, like. Because Fallon, at the end, even though he's, like, he's lost his brother, he's lost his wife, he's pretty much lost his career now he's lost two fingers <laughs> he's lost like sense of like probably a a, a sense of identity at and this i point. feel that he's the one that lost out the most yeah but at the end he's he's still alive and he like you know he goes back to his child and like i guess for him that's a sense of like renewal to like to re- to re- renew himself but it's like at what cost at what cost did, was all that worth it because you lost everything in the process and you've killed a man and like even though he was no better than yourself, like, you still have to deal with those ramifications. Like, the themes in this are so, like, I really enjoyed. I think this might be one of my favorite Nolan films that isn't Batman. Because I really like the Begins and Dark Knight. Uh, Dark Knight Rises is okay. Um, it's not my favorite. I think it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. But Inception is so good. I haven't seen Inception since the first time I watched it, but I gotta rewatch that. Dude, same here. Okay, I'm not left out of the yeah. dark. Yeah. No, it's I really cool. loved it though. It's but a fucking like, amazing movie. But yeah. Oh my god. And then I have to watch. Um, I have to watch Dunkirk, and then he has like a. I really don't like. Did he do Memento? He did Memento. I really didn't like Memento to be honest. I've never seen it. Uh, it plays in reverse. Yeah. Guy punchable face pierced. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't get that thing, but okay. Um. Yeah, no, I. This is actually really a solid film by Nolan. I I enjoyed it. I did feel like it kind of ran along a bit. I told I, you that, and you didn't. I was like, it feels like a. It feels like it goes on longer, but when 
watching it, it didn't feel that way to me. Maybe that's because I had already gone through it. Yeah. And I already kind of was like piecing together things again. And but yeah, I think there are points where they could probably cut off like Because I remember at one point we paused the movie and it said an hour three left. We had already made it an hour three. Mm-hmm. And I already felt like it was getting to the third act, but I guess that was a big story. Look at that magic terms. Yeah. <laughs> but it, I was just like, man, we need to, like, not like in a bad way, like, we need to get to this point already. Because there's like, it, it did get ventured off into a certain place where I'm like, we could have left that out. <laughs> I feel like sometimes they went too far in like, in the symbolism. Yes. Like... This this is an example, but I don't think it should have been cut out. It's the one where it's early on with with uh, Fallon. He does the he shows a magic trick. The guy has a bird and he like makes it disappear. A kid, um, Sarah's nephew, like that's how they first meet. It's their first meeting. There's like the bird's dead, and then like but like Fallon's like no 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 the bird's right here. He's like that's just his brother. Where's the other bird? He goes Fallon's like oh you're smart aren't you? Like, he's like oh yeah this kid knows. But it's like that was his brother. Like, that was, you know, there's, like, a lot of kind of that going on. I think sometimes it, it thinks it's, not that I think it's too smart, but sometimes it's, like, it tries a little too hard. Oh, yeah, I definitely felt that. But I don't, I personally didn't mind it, but I, I see what you mean in lengthwise. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it did run, I feel like maybe, like, if ten minutes were cut, it would probably run a little fast. Yeah, if it was, it's like, just, a solid two hours. Yeah. About, yeah. Uh, fighting that, though, obviously, is probably the hard part, where to cut and when to cut and how much... You know how much of that is actually worth cutting and stuff like that. Yeah, because it's it's not a bad movie in any sense, and I really was like involved and invested in the, in the mystery of it all. Yeah, but I I think it, if it was like mm, kind of just condensed a little. Yeah, it would have been a much better thing. Like yeah. <laughs> I thought the cinematography of this is like really good. Oh yeah, it was nominated for Oscars for cinematography. I was oh, was bring it? that up. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Like I remember. Another time we paused it, it was just that shot of the hallway that you said. Yeah. And yeah, that was a gorgeous shot. Yeah, it's when they buried uh, Jessica's character. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was nominated for cinematography and art direction. Which I feel are very, war- like, they're nominated. The nomination's very warranted. Yeah. And, yeah, it is. Uh, I, think it's the con- I think it's the cinematographer that works with Nolan a lot. Let me check his name. Uh, Wally Fister. Wally Fister. He's worked on him on a lot of other films. He worked on The Italian Job, Moneyball, Inception. Yeah. Which he won the Academy Award for. Yeah, he's also directed some other stuff. But yeah, those are the those are uh, those are things he's directed. But with Nolan, I think he's done. He did Memento. He did Insomnia. Uh, the ba- Batman Begins. The The Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, Prestige. Uh, Inception. He did Inception with him yeah. too. Oscar winning um, for him on that. Yeah. Um, and they have a, he has a very distinct he has a very distinct way of um, of like lighting and shooting that I thought works really well in this film because a lot of times when they talk about Nolan's uh, movies when he comes into the fantastical they always like to say it's grounded and I think the reason why that term applies so well is because of these of the cinematographer that uh, of, of Fister I think he does a really good job of like emulating how people perceive things it's not like a it's not just a high def it feels look. natural it feels natural like nothing like but it's very stylized at the same time because mm-hmm. of the way the shots are and stuff like that like a, a great shot that no one likes to use is the um i like to call it the corner shot like i joked about earlier okay. it's kind of like you place the, the camera in the corner of your room and you angle it up slowly and it kind of gives this room like a a, a sense of a sense of of depth as it goes up 
and the rooms are always kind of these very well lit like nothing's too bright but everything kind of stands out and it, it's it's these colors are always so well done and there's so much going on in the rooms and stuff like that like in the 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 mortuary parlor it's it's a very narrow room but it's white it's, mm-hmm. it's it, it would almost be a wes anderson type type of shop if it wasn't for all those urns that stick out and stuff like that mm-hmm. like if wes anderson is very uh cinematography is very uh simplistic and like symmetrical i feel like nolan likes to do uh symmet- uh is it asymmetrical? Asymmetrical is under yeah. So I, um, Wes Anderson does asymmetrical with very simple kind of design. I feel like Fister's cinematography has asym like an asymmetrical kind of feel to it, but with a lot going on in the in the room, so it feels alive because rooms aren't just empty for no reason. Yeah. Uh, unless like it's a weird world. That's what works when it comes to like showcasing the like stage. Yeah, making and it like, large, making it grand, and even like getting into the shots of like how the tricks are and really showing that off and it's a it's definitely beautiful i think like they have that. a great i think i think fister has a great eye for like how shadows work like oh yeah he doesn't totally. he doesn't do it too dark for the sake of being dark i think a lot of people when they shoot film they like to shoot with heavy shadows he shoots he just shoots with the right like just the proper enough of shadow to give it this really nice depth and contrast. One example of that would be like whenever when uh, there was one scene where Borden's in the his cell and he's reading, yeah. and it's only dark on his side, yeah. but the light coming in from the cell is like. And but it's so well lit, yeah. like you could tell like clearly, and like I think it's like lit so well. I think yeah. that it just shot so well. I, I really think the cinematography for Nolan films is what gives it that distinct look that I think Fister works so well with Nolan because I think they have an understanding of. Of how they want these worlds to be perceived and felt and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it definitely immerses you in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I also liked how everything still looked like 1800s, but it wasn't like everything was super CG to achieve that. It was like 1800s England and like parts of like rural America. Like, yeah, they... But it doesn't look like like London. It's not like these big sweeping shots of London that have to be like digitized and stuff like that. It just feels like a living... When they're all on the streets and stuff like that, it feels like a living... Like, you know, living London in the late 1800s or whatever yeah. like that. Um, yeah, they actually did shoot a majority of this. Like, it, uh, either they found like actual locations, or they built like sets for it. So they, I feel like the outside shots, like when they're actually out in the world, are a lot of them are probably sets. Yeah. Oh, and it says right here that in some scenes they did in fact use some natural light. Oh yeah, that would make sense. So that um, makes sense. I like their use of like the of actual theaters, not like movie theaters, but like actual like stage theaters where these things used to happen, stuff like that. I thought like it gave this really nice depth. Like, like I feel like there was always a shot whenever they're in a theater of probably like from a balcony looking down into the main stage and you see like this kind of grandness and they don't look small still, but they, they do look like the center of it all whenever they're in the middle of the stage, regardless if it's uh, Bale's characters or Hugh Jackman's character. So yeah, a majority of this was... As I actually said, it was actually just a lay. Yeah, so I'm yeah. guessing I'm guessing those are like a lot of the stage ones. Like yeah, the, so like uh, the, the ones that they used were the Los Angeles Belasco, the Tower Theater, the Palace Theater, and the Los Angeles Theater. Right. Yeah. And then for London, they did the back lot in Universal. They only, I think they went out of California for some of the Colorado scenes. Which they probably actually... Did they actually shoot that in Colorado or did they yeah, shoot that in... Osgood Castle in Colorado. Right. Well, the majority was legit just... We'll keep it in LA. So. Which probably worked for those actors at the time because they're probably shooting somewhere. Oh, yeah, totally. And and you couldn't even tell that this would shot around here. No, you yeah, couldn't, obviously. Cause it's it, marvelous. And I think those usually work... Like, you ever watch, like... Um, like um, you seen Amazing Spider-Man? 
there's that scene where they're like he's running through the streets and stuff like that and it's supposed to be New York City. Yo, it's LA. Yeah, it's LA. I, and there's like something like if you watch it you're like that doesn't look right. Actually, it's like it's a small minor note. I was trying to make a trip once to the LA like LA Public Library uh-huh. and the street I had to go on was fucking closed and it was for fucking Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, wow. So I was like super kind of pissed. I was like my favorite hero is blocking my goddamn way to get to the library. Uh, my brother works security and he's like like uh, he's like yeah CSI Miami shoots in Long Beach <laughs> and like if you look at, whenever they're in the streets and you look at the street signs you're like that's that's Long Beach that's downtown, <laughs> that's downtown Long Beach and you're like oh, there's the metro We're fucking just riding by the magic of cinema yeah. and television <laughs> oh, there's the rap there's the rapid going down there <laughs> <laughs> yeah like but like yeah you know that's a credit to, to this film that it it, uh, it immerses you into that world where you never doubt um but second, yeah. that's I'm sure, like, if you really look and you're like, oh, wow, that's a set. Like, like uh, when you watch Batman Begins, like, a lot of it's on set. Oh, yeah. A majority of Gotham City is. But then Batman, but then uh, The Dark Knight, you're like, oh, oh where, where, where is this? This is Gotham. The Gotham's alive. Yeah, I think that one. And it's just a Chicago. It's yeah, Chicago. Chicago yeah. Which is the basis for Gotham City. Yeah. And then Dark Knight Rises was. Dark Knight Rises to make like Gotham feel bigger. They did Chicago. I think they shot a lot of places for that, right? They did Chicago, Pittsburgh. Yeah, Pittsburgh. And L.A. Like, I feel like the court that, scene was done in Pittsburgh. I don't know why. Yeah, it is. I just it looks like it. I feel like Pittsburgh is really into like those types of things. <laughs> and then that freeway chase that they have in Dark Knight Rises. I remember I'm watching the movie. Remember it once again. Nolan films super immersive and stuff. It sucks being in L.A. Sometimes living in L.A. Sometimes uh-huh. or being in that area. Yeah, they're going on the 105. Huh? Yeah. That's like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is me. God damn it. They're on the five. They're like in the middle. Of the, they're right. by Civic Center. Like, I don't know how they're going to get through that traffic. <laughs> I'm not at this hour. So it's a Thursday on a five. I had a five. Everyone's coming home. Yeah. Like you can kind of see like fucking like one of those. Batman's like, definitely going to catch them if they're going to hit that traffic down the Olympic. <laughs> local jokes get you local work. Even though we've never gotten a job out of this yet. <laughs> damn. I'll find you. He's on Olympic. <laughs> it's not that he doesn't growl. It's that he just this this. lips <laughs> here. In the in begins, he kind of has a cool Batman voice because he's like he's like where are they? Like he does that, and then in Dark Knight, he goes, where are they? <laughs> Tell me where the drugs are. <laughs> I love the Dark Knight, but I have to. My favorite part that. of the begins is always when like uh, um, uh, the character Rachel is like passing out, <laughs> and Batman just yells out. Rachel! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think we should get into Final Thoughts. I think Batman Begins is a good starting point, especially for any Batman fan. I think it does a good job of incorporating Year One, uh, but not to the extent of overdoing it and really copying it word for word. Um, they don't really play on the fact of uh, Batman hunting down the corrupt uh, rich of Gotham uh, as Year One does. And then it's properly uh, paradoxed by Frank Miller's later quotes in the past recent years. But anyways, uh, Batman Year One, uh, five <laughs> out of five. <laughs> That's a great review of Batman Begins, but this is the prestige. Oh, um, yeah, five out of five. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, well, it's still a five out of five, but the acting definitely is like probably one of the the high high marks for this film, as well as the cinematography. I feel like both of those combined um, really uh, kind of the the cinematography is kind of the backbone of this, and then the. The acting, honestly, the, per- the performances by Bale and, and Jackman are, are definitely the muscles. Um, not just because they're Batman and Wolverine, but because like these guys really hit it out of the park. I feel like this movie's kind of underrated. 
Um, I don't think a lot of people look at this movie as, as probably uh, seriously as they probably should have when mm-hmm. it came out. I think probably like what 2006 there wasn't a lot going on in film that year. What what won the um, the uh, cinematography and uh, was it set design? Pan's Labyrinth won uh, best cinematography. Pan's Labyrinth won. That deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it's beautiful. That definitely that. deserved it. I don't remember. You know? Do I you know what won Art Direction? Oh, probably something really. Pan's Labyrinth. Oh okay. <laughs> Pan's Labyrinth just said fuck it. Um, I think I think the Prestige came out around this kind of like I think a good a good period of my life where I, I just didn't watch I just didn't go to the theaters yeah because um, <laughs> I remember that being like oh I really want to watch that it's like oh my brother rented it well I guess I don't have to go to the theaters anymore <laughs> <laughs> well I don't have to watch that no but uh, yeah for me um, I thoroughly enjoyed the mystery that was built in this it is a Great ride uh, throughout. The performances um, from Jackman it is absolutely wonderful. And he really captures the essence of Andrew's struggle, as well as Bale capturing more than capturing dual roles. It plays well off attention. It plays well off of their rivalry, their feud. Um, some points it did feel a little bit long. But overall, I would uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it, but I would give this a 4.5. Pretty good. Can we talk about how good that Hugh Jackman did uh, playing, you know, his character, and then his character's double the drunk actor? Oh asshole? yeah, it was because it wasn't it wasn't a guy that looked like Hugh Jackman. It, ja- Hugh it Jackman, was fucking Hugh Jackman, and he's just like a giant dick. And like he does such a good job of playing drunk dick actor dude. For a minute, I actually like actually thought it wasn't him because he's doing so good. Yeah, and it's like yeah, because there's like a moment where like I think uh, Angier's like hey, this guy can't do it. And the drunk actor's like, I'll show you. And then he just snaps and he, like, he does the performance and everything, like, really well. And Andrew's like, what the fuck? <laughs> but it's, like, Hugh Jackman as this drunk dude outdo, like, like telling his own character to go fuck himself. Yeah. And that will do it for us. Also, um, the Batman Begins ta- uh, tangent that you had, I will attest to it being fucking marvelous. I went to go see that the weekend came out, and it was great. I remember I went to go see it with my uncle, Alex you know, uh, Sal, and he's like, that eh, was okay, we'll see what this director does next, and it was the, the fucking Dark Knight. <laughs> I remember a lot of, not a lot of people knew what to think of the, I remember a lot of people kind of slept on Batman Begins. Oh yeah, because they didn't were, even make that much money when it got opened. I, I don't mean, remember like, getting a lot of, I don't remember it getting a lot of publicity to be honest. Yeah, they were like, eh, I remember my friend is like, oh you gonna watch the Dark Knight? I was like, yeah, I was really excited after I watched Batman Begins. He goes, what? I was like, yeah, Batman Begins. He goes, What's that? It's like it's the first one. It's the first one. He goes, no, no, the, that's the Tim Burton. I was like, no, the first one for this one, you jackass. <laughs> you fuck. You he goes, what? I was like, there's a one before this with that Batman. He goes, I never, I never heard of that. I was like, well, I don't know. What the Batman fuck. begins. That's what happens when you shop at Hot Topic exclusive, you dick. Damn. So okay. That was like, I remember like a lot of things. Like that's when I around that time, I think that's when Hot Topic's like, we need to get the nerds. <laughs> And so they just started like bringing in like merch, but it was like just she's like it just said the Dark Knight, and then like eventually they're like, oh, we can really do this. We can really buy up all the nerds because the gossip like r- like sunk into the pits of hell. And that's our opinion on Hot Topic. <laughs> Watch that Las Vegas trailer for uh, Hot Topic. It's a commercial, not trailer. Trailer is another. Thing. Okay. And watch that. Uh, it's a Hot Topic commercial for Las Vegas. Just look that up. Okay. It's nineties as fuck. Oh my god! I will look that up. And uh, that was The Prestige. Uh, if you're curious about it, go ahead, rent it. Uh, as of recording, it's on Hulu. I don't know if it'll be on 
the next month they'll probably be on a fucking streaming service given how our thing runs yeah usually we release the, the episode and then like a week later they'll <laughs> it's like on netflix or like or like the day of they're like oh here's that movie you wanted to watch <laughs> Oh, like Fear and Loathing. Got re- when that got released, it was on Netflix. I'm just like, fuck, man. I can't win. Oh, yeah, you had a red digit because my, my disc started fucking up. Yeah. I'm send that in still. Anywho, that will do it for us. And then next time, you will join us for our second, that's right, second Criterion of the Month with Akira Kurosawa's Yajimbo. I don't know how I pronounced it in Spanish. <laughs> I mean, like, you were close to how it sounds in general, I guess. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not, I'm trying not. I know this is, a, this is an audio medium, but, like, the look on your face and, like, this idiot <laughs> was, was perfect. Cancelated. And on that episode, you will also find out the schedule for oh, spectacular cinema. Are we almost done already? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're almost we're almost done with September. So yeah, that will that will do it for us. And you get all of your sp- spoopy movies. Ball. Oh, that's just my Phil Street. Ball. Ball. I'm okay, Dad. Jesus. Alright, Patrick, where can they find you? Find me on uh, Instagram at Pacha the Great. Uh, follow me on Tumblr at pachagreat.tumblr.com. Uh, follow me uh, on Twitter at Humane Ramblings. And then check out the Film of Week podcast at Film of Week podcast, uh, And on Instagram at Film of Week podcast. At Film of Week. Film of Week. And on Twitter at, at Film of Week. Week. Yeah, you can find me at Serge on Instagram, Twitter, and. Snapchat, I guess. <laughs> I stopped using Snapchat because it stopped working. Uh, I, I think I've been enjoying Instagram a little more. I just wish they would do the same thing. I know. Snapchat. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. Um, Social media side. You can also find us at our, our website, which will be up and running by this episode, even before this episode. Filmweekpodcast.com. You can also, well, you said the Instagram and Twitter, and you can also find us at Podcast on facebook.com that will do it for us and we have one more master cinema left as i said akira kurosawa with yajimbo are we are we still watching the good the bad the ugly the same day i feel like we should okay, okay. i feel like it came up yeah i was yeah. <laughs> i was listening to our fear and loathing episode and i <laughs> i like that part it's like oh it's like the good and bad the ugly you've seen it i haven't seen it i I, I throw my table at you if it wasn't a violent act. It's <laughs> like fuck. Okay. <laughs> uh, and that will do it for us. Subscribe. Do that. <laughs> Subscribe. Share us. Rate us. Uh, tell your friends about us. We tell really your appreciate about it. Us. We appreciate it. Make us a Patreon. A Kickstarter. Whatever. <laughs> What would they send us a Patreon for? We'll make a Patreon and we'll send it to you. How about that? Give these schmucks money. <laughs> money! Give Even... these schmucks money to leave me alone with their fucking podcast. <laughs> I'm tired of hearing their fucking voices. Alright. <laughs> I should do that. You just modern. To... <laughs> I haven't heard that one in a long fucking time. Jesus. <laughs> fucking Christ. Okay. As always... We end without a context line from the film. Abracadabra.